Hi there, I'm Martin Wells, founder of Wells Technology Services, and you're listening to The Homework Podcast. Every week, a fresh panel tackles a new subject matter, and this week is no exception, as our panel is set to tell us the truth about the cloud. So, without further padding or waffling, let's go and meet the panel right now. Hi, I'm Richard Brent. I'm the Editor-in-Chief here at Burlington Media Group. Um, and I would say that I hope that we were most famous for Briefing Magazine, which is the magazine that I edit and um, interview many law firm leaders for, uh, which I have still been doing here in lockdown. So thank you if you're listening and um, you're somebody who we have spoken to recently. Um, the magazine um, turned 10, although we didn't make a song and dance about it. It turned 10 years old um, during lockdown at the end of June. And um, and we're going from strength to strength in this new world. Thank you, Martin. My name is Martin Colkeld. I am the sales manager responsible for UK and Ireland, Microsoft Azure team at West Coast Cloud. Our claim to fame is that West Coast Cloud were the first indirect provider of Microsoft Cloud services in the UK. And five years later on, we are the reseller's partner of choice for Microsoft Cloud services. Hi, I'm Jeff Hornsby. I'm the general manager at iManage, and iManage are famous for being the largest document management systems uh, provider for the legal community, as well as obviously being the largest cloud vendor for the legal community in DMS in EMEA, with about 1,200 clients in the cloud these days. So that's what we're world famous for. Hi, I'm Joe Owen. I'm Chief Information Officer at uh, Cripps Hempton Greenish, a southeast and London-based law firm. Cripps have a wide range of offer a wide range of services for individuals and businesses, and have a wealth of experience in real estate. In terms of what we're famous for, I'd say our culture for caring, imagining, achieving, and enjoying genuinely make Cripps a great place to work. However, that's also in no small part down to our amazing caterers, and we're well known for our macaroons and brownies that we serve in meetings. Mmm, mm. sounds tasty. Must pop down and see you soon, Joe. Thank you, panel. Some stupendous introductions there. Are you ready? Good. Let's get cracking then. Richard, how vital have cloud-based apps and platforms been to your business during 2020? Well, um, I uh, use Dropbox for, um, for all of my article writing and uh, if I need to... Uh, share and collaborate with um, other people on my team or indeed uh, sometimes externally. Um, I use Office 365 um, and I'm, uh, we use Salesforce as well. So I'd say um, that cloud um, has been pretty vital during 2020, um, although I would say that um, that, hasn't, that hasn't changed. Um, you know, we, we, we were using those, I, I was using those back in the office. I'm using them now here at home at my kitchen table so um, I suppose uh, this goes to show that um, that I really can work um, as people often say you know anywhere anytime etc etc so uh, so that's what I would say about that great to hear that you've adopted the martini model then of anytime anywhere any place Richard thanks for that Jeff how um, vital have those cloud-based apps been to you the question that you've asked me about was how vital have cloud apps and platforms been to your business during 2020? 
Um, I'm going to look at this from two directions. The first is from I manage as a user of such devices. And I have to say that um, we've seen a surge in applications and platforms that are cloud-based because it's just so much easier to, to use those ourselves. Um, and it's also gives you the ability to always be on the latest version of the software without having to do work in the office or remotely to upgrade to the next version. So from a company point of view, very importantly, um, helped us increase our productivity. From a, from a working with our clients, it's been an astonishing year. Obviously, um, as firms have had to move to home working, uh, there's been an accelerating uh, desire to move their document management systems, all their systems really, to, to better produce a, a, a system that increases product productivity from home and obviously increases security at the same time. And security is actually one of the main areas that cloud is, is massively better able to, to provide than many of the systems that firms are deploying or have deployed in the past. So we've seen a lot of interest in our integrations with um, collaborative tools such as Teams, but most of all, we've seen a huge increase in firms moving to our cloud. Um, these are firms who've actually during this period come to us and said, look, we don't have any systems. Can we buy an iManage cloud? Or those firms who are accelerating the process, we're in the process of moving to the cloud at the time and brought it forward. And finally, we've had some great feedback, some really kind feedback from lots of our customers saying they're not sure how they could have managed without moving to our cloud. So I think, I think really 2020 has been a defining year. It's turned cloud from a nice to have into a must-have and it's also helped the non-technical community understand the real importance of having something that automatically upgrades you don't have to wait for somebody to do it for you have something that's available to all from anywhere and is very very fast and have something that gives you fantastic security because obviously firms reputations sit around their security and they're not looking after their documents on their own but actually looking after their client documents and if you if you want the latest security, then cloud systems give you quite often far better security in far more detail than other on-premise based systems of, of the past. So I, I think 2020 has been a definitive year in the development of cloud. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you just said then. And congratulations on some phenomenal successes as well this year. Martin, how vital is cloud-based apps and platforms to you as um a cloud provider? As a cloud business, cloud apps such as Office 365, Dynamics 365 are our standard line of business application. My role is unusual because I'm twice removed from the end user and also very Microsoft centric. It has been interesting to see during the lockdown how the use of such products as Teams, Planner, Stream, Forms and Shifts have been used to create added value into various ver verticals. As we have over 700 partners that consume through us, we get to see great uses of the Microsoft product set. A museum has worked with a partner to use Stream for tours around the museum to keep it open so the public can go in. Major Football Club has used Shift and Planner to arrange training schedules and dietary plans for the teams, for all the players within the teams. Whilst the lockdown has created hardship for many, I hear of businesses reinventing the way they work, deal with the clients, 
the app developers have and continue to find ways for us to be productive in the new world order. As you can guess when we talk about platforms, my focus is on public cloud, primarily Azure. But I'm sure, I'm sure it will be the same for all many of the other public platforms. From my point of view, and this will sound odd, but the, but the pandemic has played into companies like Microsoft's hands. For all you conspiracy theorists out there, Microsoft released Windows Virtual Desktop and the world goes into lockdown. The whole world suddenly needs remote connectivity. What we found was once the initial panic slowed down and companies were working in the new environments, it gave business leaders time to look into diver diverse ways of delivering not only their internal IT, but how they can use IT to differ differentiate themselves even more than the competition. Conversations are now based on full cloud delivery or hybrid cloud delivery. Business leaders are asking questions around what additional services can be delivered from platforms to assist the business. And the one good thing about the Azure platform is that the majority of the services that people are looking for are already there. There are skill sets out there that have done everything that you want them to do. All right. Thanks, Martin. Uh, theory. Hmm. Interesting. Joe, what's your take? And that is not on conspiracy theories, but how vital apps and platforms in the cloud have been to businesses in 2020. Our cloud-based infrastructure has been absolutely critical for our business this year. We originally migrated to the cloud in 2017 and have been evolving our solution ever since. We're now running a hybrid environment with private cloud platform as a service hosted by Pulsant, as well as Office 365 and other cloud-based software as a service solutions for applications where this has been a good fit for us. I can't say it was completely seamless as we went into lockdown in mid-March, but it really wasn't far off. Uh, we only really had to focus on ensuring everyone had appropriate equipment and could work from home safely and comfortably. We've had so much positive feedback from our people about the support from IT team. People were finally saying, oh, now I understand why we use Citrix. We've run a number of short pulse surveys across the business and one of the main positives that came out was our ability to continue to support our clients without disruption. We were also able to roll out solutions like Teams for video conferencing and DocuSign for electronic signatures pretty much overnight. Now we're reimagining our business to build on what we have achieved with these solutions and a strong foundation to really understand and to deliver client-facing benefit. All right, thanks, Joe. Um, I guess being an early cloud adopter put you in a really strong position when you went through your business continuity and disaster recovery plans at the advent of lockdown, huh? And hopefully your team got some amazing feedback in recognition of all of the hard work that you guys have done on the front line. Okay, let's move on to question number two, shall we? Joe, what are the common barriers to cloud adoption that you've personally experienced? And how would you suggest people overcome those barriers? When we initially moved to the cloud, we had a few people, although granted actually very few, that had concerns about putting our data in the cloud on behalf of their clients. We handled that by engaging our clients and asking their view, to which their response was pretty much a resounding, what do you mean you're not in a cloud already? Which, of course, like many firms, we had solutions like Mimecast, so kind of were already in the cloud for certain solutions. One of the biggest challenges was for our internal IT team, who had to get used to a completely different way of working. They've adapted fantastically and now work really well with our suppliers. 
ultimately they're getting to a position where they're working on projects and new solutions with our suppliers focused on the business as usual, which let's face it is far more interesting and exciting. So what they really want to be doing anyway. All right, thanks for that. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it, that the clients are really surprised that um, businesses weren't in the cloud already. I think sometimes in the legal sector, we sometimes forget that other sectors have been in the cloud for many, many years. So, uh, Martin, your business has taken many of those businesses to the cloud. Same question to you. The common barrier to cloud adoption is lack of knowledge. You see all the articles from businesses going into great detail as to why the public cloud should not be trusted and yet the majority has some sort of public cloud offering just in case office 365 be the prime example in my experience some of the blockers and barriers that are used against the public cloud is our public cloud is expensive public cloud is not secure you put it in the public cloud, it's loss of control. Another good one. Oh, data sovereignty. Is your data safe? And the latest one I heard only last week from a partner was, we are the recommended hosting partner for your line of business application. Only we have access to the vendor. So let's tie you in for three to five years. These are some of the scare factors that I use to block the question from clients Public cloud, what do you think? This is changing though, as we are seeing a number of private data center providers slowly looking at hybrid with public cloud out of their data centers. Installing express routes directly into Microsoft Azure. And some, even, and, and some are even migrating all their services across to Azure. In order to come over, overcome these blockers, my suggestion would be, if you're engaging with a consultant or an IT reseller, make sure he has a broad offering. Take references, look into their accreditations, get to understand their process. Ask, make sure that they understand your migration trigger points, whether it be hardware refresh time, uh, new application, end of life or software, growth plans, things like that. All that can come together to create the right final solution for you. Yes, indeed. Do some proper due diligence. Or better still, hire a consultant to help you do that due diligence. Thank you, Maya. Jeff, you've probably got some experience with some blockers. Tell us about yours. That's a great question. Um, I think... What you've got to think about is the attitude to cloud adoption has really changed. It's no longer a matter of if we should go cloud, it's just a matter of when. If you speak to an audience these days and you say, please put your hand up if you think you won't be in the cloud in six years, nobody puts their hand up anymore. So it's not the fact that people don't think they'll be in the cloud, it's just when will they get there? And that part, the when part, really depends on the firm. And for I manage, we see virtually all new firms go straight into the unmanaged cloud. Our multi-tenanted cloud takes hundreds of hundreds of firms all the time going straight into it. And, and we do sell some on-premise systems, 
but they're few and far between these days. So I think for a new client, there is no issue. Cloud adoption is automatic. For existing firms, for existing iManage firms, the barriers really around, principally around security. In a on-premise environment, the IT team have always controlled the security and the law firm has always relied on the fact that it's their data and they hold it. But as I said before, it's not really their data, it's their client data in the main, and they're holding it on behalf of their client. And security is the key thing because if you lose the data or somebody accesses the data, the firm loses the reputation. So really what we've gone for is a concept of design using zero trust. Zero trust has to be started right at the design phase of your system. And we built our new multi-tenanted cloud several years ago on this principle of zero trust. We built it using exactly the same technology as the, the giants of the, uh, of the cloud environment, people like the Googles and the Amazons of this world, people like the Salesforce.coms. What we've gone for with zero trust, and this sounds a bit strange when I say it, is to trust nobody. We don't trust our clients. We don't trust our own staff. We don't trust the systems we're on. It sounds terribly paranoid, but it is the most important thing. So the whole concept is that nobody has access to all levels. Nobody can see things or access things and everything is controlled. And it's controlled from an encryption point of view. It's controlled from a design point of view. It's controlled from a staffing point of view. And zero trust, I think, is the way you should be looking at it. And anybody who is putting in a system that is cloud-based should be asking that vendor, can you tell me about your zero trust policy, please? And can you start with that as the concept? Because we need to have confidence that this system is designed to have no breakpoints. So in answer to the question, what's the common barrier? Number one, I think is, is, is security. And that's what I've focused on to answer this question. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. I definitely hear you. It's all about the zero trust, right? Okay, Richard, what are your blockers? Um, do you know what? I'm not sure that I can say that I have personally um, ever encountered any barriers to cloud adoption. Um, of, of course, we have we have covered this in the magazine um, several times, so I might have to defer to what people tell me in interviews. And um, one of the things that, of course, comes up often is this idea of resistance to change um, for whatever reason, perhaps some, perhaps for some good reasons, security, um, things like that, uh, but uh, just general resistance to change as well. Although um, one of the things that uh, has come across loud and clear from talking to people in law firms uh, during lockdown is that um, resistance to change is not quite what it was. Resistance to change certainly has changed recently, hasn't it? And, you know, I, I think one of the things I've heard you all talk about is security and how security is used as a blocker for cloud adoption. And yet the cloud services providers uh, are going to be thoroughly more secure and they're going to have the professionals and the software and the utilities that are needed to protect yours and your clients' data much, much more than than you can yourself as as a law firm doing the best that you can with your support staff. So please, 
do not use security as a blocker for cloud adoption because actually moving to the cloud is probably the most secure thing that you can do. Time now for my personal favorite, top tips time. So Martin, what are your three top tips for businesses to consider when moving traditional on-prem infrastructure stacks and business apps to the cloud? The most important tip I would give is to do a full assessment of your current environment. There are many tools available. If, obviously, if you're considering Azure, for example, then Azure Migrate is a great tool to use. Not only will we access your hardware estate and make recommendations on virtual machine sizes, but will also highlight any possible issues with the business applications running in Azure. Do not be put off by the pricing. Public cloud is pay for what you use model, but all Microsoft basic basic pricing is based on 24 by 7, 31 days a month. This goes back to choosing the right partner. An experienced partner will understand your business and present a solution that reflects your business model. For example, do all full services need to be available all the time? Can you resize during the night? I've seen partners quote the same solution for the same client and before £5,000 different a month. One understood what they were doing and one didn't. Once decided on a partner and solution, you then need to de decide the best migration approach. Staged or Big Bang. Both options have their merits and it is again down to the level of risk your business can, uh, is willing to take. A great way to migrate is to do a lift and shift into the cloud. So take your current environment, on-prem environment, run an assessment tool, use the recommended virtual machines and just pick everything up and put it in the cloud. So that gives you the goal of getting into the cloud, but it also then provides the opportunity to monitor the environment over a six month period and see how it performs and then optimize the solution by introducing more cost-effective ways of delivering your services. Burstable, reserved instances, both of these, along with many other options that are out there, will reduce your monthly spend. Thanks, Martin. To summarize then, number one, review your environment, use tools to make sure that you right-size things. Two, make sure you get your pricing right, so make sure the price is right and come on down. And number three, make sure you plan your migration appropriately. Sounds good to me. Richard, what are your top tips? Um, I, I'm, I, can only give you, I can only give you one top tip, I think, for that, which is um, to read Briefing Magazine um, every month or, or, indeed, or indeed online because um, most of our articles are available online as well. Um, and uh, this is a topic that gets covered by many experts, um, not, not all the time, of course, because um, we, we've got a, 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 range, a range of coverage, but um, it's clearly something that, um, that people do still need advice about, and it's something that, um, that my contributors do give plenty of advice about. So um, I'd get over to briefing.co.uk um, when, uh, you know, when you take a break. Wow, I think I've just taken a visit to Plumbase listening to all of those plugs. Joe, help us out. Give us your top three tips, please. 
My biggest tip for a major migration to the cloud for infrastructure, certainly in my experience, and not just at Crips, but also at other firms, is to get expert help. I'm sure the consultants will be rubbing their hands with glee. But where we have had external expert support, we've achieved great things quickly. Whereas for aspects we have tackled in-house, often for the first time, it's been really tough. To maintain operations, as well as take on projects like this, is an incredibly tall order. Consultancies or similar who do this day in, day out, are well-placed to help. That enables the in-house team to focus on my second top tip, communication. The in-house IT, IT team are bound to be concerned. Keep them in the loop. They are critical to the success of a project like this. Ideally, there is as little disruption to end users as possible, but there will inevitably be some impact, so keep your users informed and engaged. This leads me to my final point about having good governance and stakeholder engagement to keep a migration project on the rails and the considered business and more importantly client impact first and foremost. That's great, Joe. Thanks. Let's summarise that, shall we? Number one, make sure you get expert help. Consultants are brilliant. Number two, make sure you communicate internally to your own team. Number three, make sure you've got the right governance in place to, to, to manage and maintain the impetus of the project. And I agree with all of your points. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Once again, time is our enemy. So that's all we've got time for in this episode. If there's a subject matter you'd like to hear discussed, or if you're feeling brave and would like to join a future panel, you can get in touch with me via my website, which is www.wellstechnologyservices.com. To avoid the disappointment of missing out on a future episode of the Homework Podcast, you can subscribe at your favourite podcast providers. We're on all the good ones, and we're also on a couple of the ropey ones as well. In a week where further reason of lockdown restrictions was announced, a sense of reality now reverberates across the nation as we come to terms with this post-COVID world. All that remains now is for me to thank our panel this week, Richard Brent from Burlington Media, Joe Owen from Crips, Jeff Hornsby from iManage, and of course, Martin Kulkeld from West Coast. Next week, I'll be back with a new subject matter and a fresh panel. Until then, stay safe, Stay well. See ya.